0: I'm going So excited to uh, be closing out our series tonight on heaven. Uh, Man, it has been a great, great series. Aren't you ready to go home? I am so ready. Some days I'm ready more than others, amen? (laughs) Uh, Wow, we have learned so much, so much from this series about heaven. I mean, just to kind of review briefly with you guys, our first week we talked about how everyone is going to spend forever somewhere, right? And really, there's two choices. Either we spend forever in heaven, or we spend forever in a real place called hell. And then we talked about what heaven was going to look like. Oh my goodness, it was incredible. Wow, I cannot wait to see what it's really going to look like. I just feel like we just scratched the surface of what it looks like. then if we talked about what our bodies are going to be like, man, no limitations to really being able to live. Amazing. I mean, that is incredible. We talked about what our relationships are going to be like. We talked about how we are going to be known by God, and we are going to know God and know one another with no sin and no struggle. Wow. We talked about uh, what we're going to do. Friends, our most important days are ahead of us. Wow. And last week, we talked about how to get to heaven. Really, we talked about how how God has provided everything we need so that we can know heaven is our home through His Son, Jesus. All we need to do is give our lives to Jesus. And last week, nine people at least did that. Amen? Woo! That is awesome. You know, this weekend, as we close out our series on heaven... um, One writer was closing out their thoughts as they were reflecting uh, about it, and they said this, how far away is heaven? It isn't a distant reality, for the child of God, heaven is only a heartbeat away, a breath away, perhaps only a day or an hour away, and soon we will be there. Where we go in the world, whatever blessings or burdens befall our lives, heaven is our sure and certain hope, a place prepared for us. A city whose builder and maker is God. Soon we'll be gathered to the crystal river. Soon we'll be singing around the throne and involved in our Savior's work. For his servants shall serve him. Our Lord Jesus Christ has opened the gates and prepared the way, and beckons us to follow Him. Amen. Amen. You know, and as we conclude this series, there's lots of other thoughts that come to mind. For one, we just talked about so much related to what our home is going to be in heaven. And to be honest, the ideas that we developed, we haven't even scratched the surface. Friends, it is better than that. I can't wait. Heaven I want to go there, and I know I am, and I want to take as many people as I can with me. How about you? You know, and for those of us who know that we are going to heaven, the question then might remain, for one, why are we here? And if we are here, do we have some getting ready to do before we get to heaven? How do we get ready for heaven? You know, at some point, we're going to go there. Or not if you haven't given your life to Jesus. We talked about that last week. You can make sure that you are going to heaven by simply giving your life to Jesus. And you're going to have the opportunity tonight. If you've never done that before, you could do that tonight. But if you have, you might wonder, is that really all there is? Just give your life to the care of Jesus and get out of the proverbial, get out of Jail, jail, get out of hell, free card. Well, it's not exactly like this, but think about this example. If you were going to go on a vacation to Myrtle Beach, was the point just getting there? I mean, imagine you drive down and you get to the beach and you take a look around. Well, that's a nice boardwalk. Those are nice sandy beaches. All right, kids, get in the car. Let's go. Well, think about this. The stepping backs are going to Florida. And so we are traveling down to Florida, we get down to Cape Canaveral, we pull up to the parking lot where the cruise ships are, we don't get out of the car, because why would you waste good AC? So we sit in the car, and we look at those cruise ships in the ports, and we start talking, my wife and I, and the kids are in the back, they can't really talk all that much, yet. Yeah, Judah would start talking about, wow, he'd say, wow, big ships, big ships, wow. We'd, we'd start talking, hey, I wonder where, where that ship's going, that might be going to the Caribbean, maybe that one's going to Jamaica. All right, well, that was nice, let's turn around and head back home. That would be absurd. It would be absolutely ridiculous. Wouldn't we even... The whole point is not just the entrance into the vacation. The whole point is actually enjoying the vacation and... Before you ever get on the vacation, there's preparations for that. My wife would be raising her hand, saying amen to that. She is super organized. I'm kind of more the fly-by-see-my-pants the kind of a guy. But, but she's the, she would be very prepared for that. And the preparations actually play a role in our experience of our vacation, don't they? Well, the same is true when it comes to heaven. We need to get ready. But how do we? We've answered that we're going there if we've given our lives to Jesus. But then the question could be really said this way. How do we live in light of the fact that we know we are going to heaven? That heaven is, in fact, our home. We've learned so much. How does that shape our lifestyles today? Well, writer said this. He said, the goal and the end of a person's calling, really the purpose further living, does not terminate in this life. But it, our purpose in this life, makes sense only in light of the fact that it's really for the life to come. Meaning, our lives are given purpose by the fact that heaven is really what we're made for. But they're given purpose. Don't miss that here today. And really, that's the point of so much of our New Testament. The New Testament writers emphasize that heaven gives so much meaning to our lives. For example... Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. We've looked at this verse a couple times in our series. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So, focus, think about heaven as you're living today, it will give you purpose. Furthermore, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, verse 16, it says this. It says, But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Now, just so you know, Hebrews 11... Often, uh, that is kind of titled the, the Hall of Faith. And in it, you're going to find a, a list of people who, uh, who lived with purpose uh, in their time. Really, people from the Old Testament, ancient times, they lived with purpose in the times that they did. They made decisions in the world that they did, lived their days on this earth as they did, because they knew that God comes through on his promises, and they knew that they had a special place in God's plan, specifically they found that heaven was their home, and so they lived with purpose for the coming heaven. And we could argue the meaning for living is, in fact, getting ready for heaven. We know we're going. How do we get ready for that? Today, that's what we're going to talk about. How do we get ready for heaven? First of all, how we get ready for heaven is we need to be Number one, watching. We need to be watching, first of all, for Jesus to return. To take us, his children, to heaven. And y'all, we're going to see, that could happen at any moment. Check this out. We've looked at this passage before, but we're going to look at it from another angle today. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 says this. It says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this be declared to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are not left, who rather are left, until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet, up together with them, or rather, uh, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, who are alive, who are left, will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words few things about this passage I want you to notice in verse 15 it says quote, we who are alive meaning Paul wrote this to a group of Christians in Thessalonica in the first century and Paul very clearly expected that it was possible that he and his readers would be li- living when Jesus returned and notice I don't know if you caught it but guess what They all died. Jesus didn't return before they died. And so the promise here is very clear, though, that Jesus will return. So what's going on? We don't seem to have anything in the Bible that says that he couldn't have returned or that somehow he isn't returning, maybe even today. What this passage indicates is that it's the reader's of his day, rather, they expected that Jesus could return at any moment. And that is instructive for us, too. See, that's the posture that God wants us, his people, even to have today. Watching and expecting that even today, even tonight, even this hour, Jesus could Return. Notice what it says in verses 16 and 17. It says that when Jesus returns, he's taking those who are alive with him and, quote, we will always be with the Lord, meaning he is taking us to heaven now. We've talked about heaven now and the heaven to come. We'll be with Jesus in the heaven now. And by the way, theologians call this moment the rapture. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a minute, but here's the point: Jesus could come to take Christians at any moment, even tonight. It might be the next minute, it might be the next second. Okay, that one passed. Okay, that one passed. But it's that it's that it's that possible. It's that possible, and so therefore we need to be watching. We need to be watching for his coming. We need to be ready. He is coming at any moment. Now, you might be sitting here and you might be going, well, you're kind of goofy, you know? Because listen to this. Haven't Christians been waiting and watching for some 2,000 years? Now, doesn't that seem a bit silly to be thinking Jesus could come now? Now, now, now. Or maybe God's just being mean. Or maybe, maybe there's a problem. Or maybe God's a liar. Doesn't something need to happen before Jesus returns? Well, no, is the brief answer. No, God is not being silly. No, you aren't silly to expect Jesus to return any moment. No, God is not being mean. No, God is not lying. No, there is not a problem. No, there is nothing that should happen, that will happen, required by God before he sends Jesus to come back. We don't find anything in the Bible that says something needs to happen before the rapture when Jesus comes to bring Christians home with him to heaven. Which we should say, amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. But, having said that, we do see a potential reason why he may be delayed. Second Peter 3, chapter 9 says this. It says, The Lord is not slow uh, to fulfill his promise, meaning his promise of coming, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all could reach repentance. So, what is he saying? He's saying God is being patient. The reason why is that today the circumstances could be the best for people to get saved. I'll tell you this, when Jesus comes and takes Christians away, the world does not end at that point. We're going to talk a minute about that, and the circumstances that come after that are going to be a lot worse. So today could be the very best day for the people in our lives to have the best opportunities to give their lives to Jesus. And so God is being patient, giving people the best chance to give their lives to him. The Bible says today is the day to give your lives to Jesus. If you haven't done that yet, you should, because Jesus could come at any moment. So we need to be watching. We need to be watching for his coming to get ready. He is coming at any moment. You know, also, Jesus himself commands us to be watching for his return. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. Jesus says, But concerning that day and that hour, speaking of his coming, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Nor as were the day, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and as they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore stay awake translation pay attention translation be watching for you do not know on what day your lord is coming but know this that if the master of the house had not had known in what part of the night the thief was coming he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into therefore you also must be ready For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Jesus goes on in chapter 25 of Matthew, verse 13, he says, Watch therefore, be watching, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Translation, any moment. As a matter of fact, these passages passages are part of a section of Jesus' teaching on the end of the world. We've talked briefly about these circumstances before. We talked about how, what's going to happen at the end of history when the new heaven comes. We talked about that and, and what heaven will look like. That message where we looked at Revelation 21 and 22. And Again, briefly, we just talked about the fact that Jesus is going to come at any moment to bring Christians with him. That's the rapture. And then following that, there's going to be a worldwide war and calamity. That's called the Great Tribulation. You guys are looking at that. By the way, that... That, uh, that's not to scale. Like, Obviously, the current age is a little bigger. It's 2,000 years, right? And then the tribulation is going to be seven years. And then the millennium, we're going to talk about that in a minute. The millennium is going to come after that. That's going to be 1,000 years. But then, uh, and, and during that time, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But after that, there's going to be one final sinful uprising against the Lord. The Lord is going to bring final judgment upon uh, all those who are rebelled against him spiritual and otherwise, and then there's going to be a judgment called the great white throne judgment. That's that seat up there. And then after that, we enter into eternity and the new heaven and the new earth comes. In a nutshell, is the end of history, which is pretty crazy. Now, here's the thing. Some of you might be going, well, what's that thing called the Millennium? I don't know if I've ever heard of that thing. Is that like the Millennium Falcon? What is that? No, it's not the Millennium Falcon. Um, Not even close. But as we said, here's what it is. Jesus is going to come to the earth and he's going to take a literal throne as the king of the universe from a throne in Jerusalem. All believers throughout the ages, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, are going to enter into this time. As we've talked about this and what will our bodies be like, we're going to have glorified, resurrected bodies as we enter that time. And we're going to get those bodies before the millennium. The devil is bound for the entire 1,000 years, and because of that, the world nations that that are around at that time, they will not be deceived by Satan. Imagine that. Believers are actually going to reign with Christ. Some think that they'll even have government roles. Imagine that. Imagine this world with no deception spiritually. Wow. Apparently, the people that give their life to Jesus during the Great Tribulation, if they don't die and actually are alive when Jesus returns to establish his rule in the Millennium... They're going to enter into that time and not get glorified, resurrected bodies. So they're going to continue to marry and make babies. And so apparently there's going to be people with sin natures in the millennium. But Satan is bound. So somehow the way sin works, it's going to be a little different because they don't have, they're not being deceived like we're being deceived. It's going to be amazing in that sense. Could you imagine a government run well without corruption? Whew. Come, Lord Jesus, Come. Too good to be true almost, isn't it? For a thousand years, Satan will be let out of... After the thousand years, Satan's going to be let out of hold. And we talked about that. And he's going to lead an uprising. And then Jesus is going to stomp that out. And as good as that's going to be, this millennium, this thousand years, it's going to be on this earth this earth that has been broken by sin, this earth that still is dealing with the effects of sin, there's going to be people that will be there, not us, but other people who will be there uh, who have uh, sin natures and have the potential to rebel against God. And so as great as this place is going to be, it is not a perfect place. The world is not yet restored to God's plan. that comes at the new heaven and the new earth A world that will match God's original plans in Eden. We talked about that a little bit last week. That is our home. Our forever home. And it is awesome. And I can't wait. And all this will come. But not until after Jesus comes at any moment to bring Christians with him to heaven now. So we need to be watching. Also, we need to be watching... Our hearts. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says keep your heart. Other translations say watch your heart. Some say watch over your heart. Some say guard your heart with all vigilance, with effort. It means you're, you're intentional. It means you're paying attention to what's going on within your heart because from it flows the springs of life. Some translations say the issues of life. Did you know we have the ability to actually pay attention to what our hearts are hoping in? I hope you track this. We're actually, we're actually going to see in a moment. But, but you have the ability to know what's going on in your heart, to be able to discern that with God's help, and to be able to kind of get an idea of what's happening. And this is really important that we know this, because check this out. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says this. says, Therefore, preparing your minds for... Action, which, by the way, our minds and our hearts in the in, in the Bible, uh, oftentimes they can be even used interchangeably. There's a there's a dynamic relationship between our minds and our hearts. In that sense, uh, Peter says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Set your hope. Where's your hope? In your heart. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's that? Heaven. Set your heart on the hope of heaven. Did you know you can shepherd? You can pastor, if you will. You can lead your heart. You don't have to let your heart take you to the emotional places that sometimes we go. You have the capacity to pay attention to what, it, to what uh, is going on and to actually think on truth, to set your heart on the hope of heaven, and that can help you to lead your heart to a different place in that moment. Wow, what hope, what relief, what an opportunity. So, let's take a moment and just think about maybe how we're shepherding our hearts. One, one teacher said it's helpful sometimes to ask this, how is my hope these days? Another way to say it is, where is my hope these days? Is it on the unshakable promise of our coming Lord and home in heaven? Or is it on something else? Friends, we need to be watching our hearts. But we also need to be watching, really, for heaven by dreaming in anticipation of what heaven is going to be like when it comes. That's one of the reasons why this series has been so important. We've been learning about heaven and we're asking God to really help us to dream of how great it will be. And if you're like me, sometimes you got that just that twinge of a cynic inside of you, right? Just that twinge of like, just I don't really know if I trust that in you, you know, just that that, that hint of unfaithfulness. And so I just want to encourage you, friends. Whatever it is that God has inspired you, as you have heard about what heaven is, as you've been dreaming about it. Give it your best shot. It's better than that. Our expectations will not be let down. Friends, God will not let us down. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. We've looked at this passage. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, we could say dreamed, what God has prepared for those who love him. Wow. Wow. You know, one teacher encouraged us with this. He said, Maybe this is the way you can, you can inspire yourself to dream, to shepherd your heart a little bit, to, to watch over your heart. What are the three things that you will do first in heaven? Maybe you just need to close your eyes for a moment on that one. Just, just, just take a moment. Just close your eyes. Ask yourself that question. What's the first thing I'm going to do when I get to heaven? Got it? Why don't you write it down? You got two more? If you do, write them down. Maybe, maybe you need to ask God to help you to dream more of what heaven will be like. Because, friends, it's going to be far, far better, far better than that. Friends, when is Jesus coming? Oh, come on, come on, come on, don't, pay attention, come on, you can say something. When is he coming? Wow, you guys are very specific, that's frightening. Any moment, any moment. When is Jesus coming? Say it again. Say it again. Anymore. Are you ready? Yes. You need to be getting ready. We need to be getting ready by watching. We need to be getting ready. And, and so that is an important question for us to be asking. And I have to be honest. For many of us, honestly, sad to say, most Christians, we are getting to heaven, but just barely. We're not really living for the Lord. There's even a question, we've talked about this before, there's even a question of whether or not we're saved because the Bible is very clear that if the life of God is in you, you are different and you have different desires. And so if you're not living for the Lord, that brings questions to say, well, did something really happen? Did you really give your life to Jesus? And we've talked about, yeah, it's possible to not be living for the Lord for a period and be saved. And so maybe you really are. Maybe, maybe, maybe the, the, the people we're talking about really are. But, but, and so in that sense, you're, you're going, but you're going to be surprised by a lot because you are so unlearned about what's going to happen when you get there. You're going to miss out on God, some things God wants you to do before he comes because you're not living for him. And you're going to have some regrets. We've talked about this. we talked about the judgment seat of Christ. It's not going to be a judgment for Christians um, of their their sin. It's going to be a judgment of honestly what they did for the Lord while they were here. How did they get ready for heaven? And I tell you what, we're going to enter into heaven and it is going to be awesome and it is going to be great for every single one of us. But I tell you, at that moment, there will be regret. I wish, I wish I had lived more with heaven in mind and in view. I wish I had heaven in mind with my finances, with my time, with my pursuits, with my hobbies, with my work, with my priorities, with my family. Friends, we're just trying to help you today, okay? This isn't, this isn't a moment to try and guilt you. This is a moment to say, to say, listen, you want to get ready? Let's be watching. Jesus is coming at any moment. Matter of fact, Ephesians 2.19 says this says that we are citizens of God's ho- house. We've given our life to Jesus. Heaven is our home, and therefore we need to be watching. And that really leads us to what's next. Knowing that Jesus is coming at when? Any moment, Any moment. what the end will be like and what heaven will, buy, will be like, in light of that, we need to be living for Jesus. And this really is the emphasis for our own lives today. Notice Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 4, verse 45 and up to 51. He says this, he says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. That's that reward we were just talking about. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and eats and drinks with drunkards, translation, not living for the Lord, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour when he does not know, and will cut him in pieces, and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, to which we should say, Oh my goodness. Now, there's a lot that we could say about that, and there's a lot that Jesus is trying to say, but the point that I want us to get is this. Jesus expects us to be living for him and preparing for his return, to be faithfully living for him. So what's that look like? Well, it means to use a biblical term, living holy. Now, I'm not talking about what you probably Think of when you think of holy. I'm not talking about angels. I'm not talking about harps. I'm not talking about weird music. I'm not even talking about rule keeping. Now, to be clear, though, holy does mean morally pure. And by that, I mean it's really the absence of anything evil. I've heard this illustration used before. It's the the difference between being healthy and being not sick. You know, there's a difference, right? Like, like, I could have the flu and then I don't have the flu in the more, anymore and so I'm not sick. But I could still have some clogged arteries and have some serious heart conditions and have some other issues that I might not even be aware of but are going to cause some problems for me eventually, right? Being healthy is, being, is having the absence of, of, of that. That our bodies, that, that our lives are working as they ought to be working. That... Is holiness. Someone is holy in that way because just like your body, in order for it to be marked as healthy, that means that it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. It has purpose, right? The same is true for us when we talk about spiritual holiness. Spiritual holiness is all about we are made holy because we are given purpose. Spiritual holiness is about having purpose. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 9 through 12, what it says here. It says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now stop right here and listen to this next verse. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You know, it is true. When we become Christians, we still have a sin nature in us, a propensity towards disobeying God. But make no mistake about it, whatever you were before you came to Jesus, whatever title that you put on yourself because of your sin, I don't know. Whatever it was, Jesus Washed that clean. That's not who you are anymore. You were sanctified. That's another word that's attached to holiness. It means that you were set apart for purpose. You were justified. That means your sins have been not only washed, but totally forgiven. Just as if you had not sinned. You have a new identity. You are the Lord's. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God, all things are... And because of that, that means that you are now holy. And we're going to talk about how, how that looks, but that means that if you've given your life to Jesus, you are holy, you are pure, you are clean, and you have purpose. You are free to serve God and with purpose to serve him. And so verse 12 comes It says, Paul says, All things are lawful for me, but he noticed the purpose in this. But not all things are helpful. I've got things that I need to do, and so some things aren't going to be helpful for me. All things are lawful for me, but I won't be dominated by anything because they might dominate me and keep me from doing what I'm supposed to be doing. See, the principle of this is this holiness is about living with purpose, living really this, a life as it was meant to be lived. You know, Jesus was holy, right? He was everything he was meant to be as a person. And he did everything he wanted to have done as a human being in the circumstances that he had in his life. He lived life as it was meant to be lived he lived it in that sense right that means like doing good things but it's coming really from deep within holiness is living life like it was meant to be lived right and that is goodness we talked about remember in our message on what our bodies will be like that we talked about how in heaven in the heaven to come we are going to when we get our resurrected bodies we are going to be good from the tips of our head to our toes. Saturated in goodness. Goodness from the inside out. No part of us broken, no part of us unhealthy, no part of us unholy. Well, let's also look about the Bible says because of that, it says a lot about living a life of holiness with purpose, living right to get ready for heaven. So first John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 say this to help us understand that a little more. It says, see what kind of love. The Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and, what does it say? So we what? Are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children when? Now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him we're just talking about heaven, heaven to come, we're going to have those bodies that we're supposed to have, we're going to be totally right, totally holy. Because of that, everyone who hopes in him, what's it say? Purifies himself now, as he is pure now. So what's that word purifies mean? Literally, by the way, it could be translated cleanses, morally sanctifies, could be another way of saying it. Literally means morally setting yourself apart to live with purpose Right. Now, when we think about that again, it's not about rule keeping. Although it's really much deeper than that. It's about living life as it was meant to be lived. So you can obey rules, but deep down, not not be holy. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you don't. Let's read this. First John chapter three, verses four through ten. That'll help clear this up a little bit. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, by the fact that God lives in you, Jesus, in your heart. By this, it is evident who we are as children of God and who the children of the devil are. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not from God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Verse 8 really nails this down. It could be summarized like this. If you are a child of God, you're going to be uncomfortable with sin. You don't like sinning. And if you get caught in a besetting or a habit of sin, you're in anguish. You're not having fun. Now, to be be clear, there is a period where you might enjoy it, but that's going to be short-lived. And then you are going to be miserable. You hate it. You want it to stop. That doesn't mean you know how and that you can necessarily, but you don't want to keep doing it. That's what this passage is saying. That's a hint of holiness. Notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says, Therefore strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Thank goodness that whatever is not holy in me, God is going to make holy in me, like it just said in 1 John chapter 3. Notice what it says in 1 Peter 1, verses 14 through 16. It says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance when you didn't know Jesus, but as he who called you is holy... You also should be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you should be holy, for I am holy. So, here's a question. Am I comfortable with sin in my life? Does it bother me not to be living as I know I have been made to and saved to? To not live for God. Because I love God. I do. And therefore, I want to live the way he wants me to live. The way I know I'm made to. Does it bother me when I know I'm not? Are you sick of the sin in your life? So that you're seeking to avoid ways that you are tempted and tried to be breaking the habits of that in your life. See, that's part of living for Jesus and getting ready for heaven. The Bible says we have been made holy. Today in anticipation of the total holiness that's coming when our bodies are totally freed from the sin that we have within us and the sin that's in our world. Meaning, because of that, we should live today right. Because we could say it this simply, because we are good, it's good to be good. Now, if you've given your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you. You've been given A new heart. You've been set apart to live for him now and because of that holiness isn't some kind of self-effort that you're just trying to work hard at. Living for the Lord for Jesus is something that you don't do alone. God himself has come inside of you and has given you the ability and the desires to want to follow him. Romans 2 chapter, uh, chapter 29 says it this way. It says, but a Jew is one inwardly and circumcision is a matter of the heart. Now this is in a section of Romans where um, this is not to be confused to think that, uh, that because we're Christians, we're Jews, the, Jew, the Jewish people are a specific people. Uh, but, but, but Apostle Paul is making a point here about really, in a sense, the Jewish people were God's people. And so what he's saying is God's people are God's people who, uh, by, the, by the inner part, by, by their hearts. That's how we know who God's people are. The circumcision, meaning the the desire to to be marked by God, is a matter of the heart. To be holy is a matter of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, if you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Meaning, working what? Working deep down within you, those desires, that desire for goodness, out. For it is God who works in you, both the will and the work, for his good pleasure. I want to encourage you, just pause on that. If you really think about this, what relief, what freedom it is to know that you have, if you've given your life to Jesus, you have the desire to follow God. But you also need to recognize, you need to choose to do that. You really need to choose to cultivate those desires to fan the flame of those desires, to, to give yourself fully over to those desires, to grow that heart for God in you. Because the opposite is true, too. You can cultivate, you can keep turning your heart over to the desires that you had before you ever gave your life to Jesus, this, the, the temptations that you've had ever since the beginning, well, since even before Jesus. And so, I want to encourage you the truest part of you christian does desire goodness so will you choose it are you cultivating goodness into your life it's fruit it's holy living it's living for jesus we're not going to look at second peter chapter 1 tonight but if you do i just want to encourage you to look at chapter second uh, peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 11 and in that you're going to notice that Uh, that we are encouraged. God has given us his divine nature deep in our hearts. And because of that, this passage, the Apostle Peter, actually encourages us to develop some things in our lives. And they're actually not things you're doing. They're things, they're character qualities, to be working on those things in your life. And so really, it gives us purpose. It says, we want to get ready for heaven? We need to be living with purpose. We need to be living for Jesus today. Because Jesus could come when? At any moment. Which leads us to our next point. Number three, in order to get ready for heaven, we need to be sharing. First, with how we live, and we've already shared that. We should live with a clear demonstration of our trust in God. If we've given our lives to God, then we're saying, God, you have it all taken care of. So much so that when I die, I know where I'm going. And so, do you pray, no matter who's watching? Do you talk about Jesus like no, like you know him and that you love him, like he's your best friend, even your spouse? Now be careful on that one. You know, I was, I was talking with someone earlier this week and he was sharing, he's a retired Marine, and he was sharing how he still has people who will come up to him who've never necessarily met him just by watching him and his conduct and how he speaks and how he acts. They'll come up to him and say, you were a Marine, weren't you? He says, you know, that's great, but you know what my desire really would be? Was that, would be that, that they would do that lesson, come up to me, and they would say, you're a Christian, aren't you? Amen. See, we can point people to, uh, to Christ if we're living for him. Right. That's, the fruit of that is holiness. That's that deep down within us. People are going to say, there's something different about you than me. You're not just obeying rules, just to obey rules. You're not just trying to be a good person for the sake of being a good person. There's some strong things that are going on in your life. You're different. Yeah, Jesus lives in me, and I'm going to heaven. It's my home. You can, too. Which brings us to our next point. It's more than that. The purpose that we are here, why we are here to prepare for heaven, is because it's not only to prepare ourselves, but it's to share Christ so that others can go to heaven and get ready for it, too. It's why we're here. See, because the best way that we can serve, the best way that we can love someone is to share Christ with them. There could be nothing more loving that you could do than to share how they can be eternally rescued from hell and have heaven as their home. There's nothing more loving than to do that. we already alluded to this. It's why we're here. Uh, Jesus spoke to his apostles just before uh, he uh, returned to heaven after his resurrection. He gave them marching orders. He said this. He said, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of this age. In Acts 1.8, he says this. He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We've talked about this already. That happened. We give our lives to Jesus. Guess what we have? We have the Holy Spirit in us, and we have the power of God in our lives. Not only to live right, but notice what it says primarily. It actually is not just to be living right and living life as it's supposed to be. Which, by the way, if we're living life as we're supposed to be, we will get to this point. To be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Al-Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We already referenced 2 Corinthians 3.9. Today, God is giving the people in our lives the opportunity to get ready for heaven. That's why we're here. Friends, do you want to get ready for heaven? Sharing Christ is how we get ready for heaven and it's why we are here. It's by bringing people and as many people as we can with us to heaven. See, if we want to get ready for heaven, we need to watch for Jesus. He's coming at any moment. And because we're expecting him to be living at any moment, we know that today and what today is and what we're doing today matters. And so today we need to be living for the Lord. And today we need to be sharing Christ with people See, because we need to make sure that people know how they can know whether or not heaven is their home. It should not be like this. You know, I'm a Christian, so I do this, and I do that, and on this day I do this, and on, on, on that day I do that, and when I wake up in the morning, I do this, and when I, before I go to bed, I do that, and, and before a meal, I do this, and I can't wait to go to heaven because it's going to be awesome one day. You should see it as this. I'm supposed to go to heaven. I know that heaven is my home, but I'm not there yet. And the main reason I'm not there yet is because I'm here to share the good news with others about how they can get there too. So, what am I doing to get the good news out to others? Friends, you have a church that you can partner with. Easter is next week. As Pastor Chris said earlier, there's going to be people from our community coming. There is people right now who are still not sure where they're going to go for Easter, but they are planning to go somewhere for Easter. They're in your life. You have been interacting with them. You're going to meet them. Maybe they're at the gas station. You have not met them yet. And so we just want to encourage you. you got, we, we still have more of these out there. I tell you, it's been, it's been a, a personal place of even growth for me. It has been awesome. I've been praying uh, every day, God, will you just give me an opportunity to just at least invite one person uh, to New Hope? And, if, and, if, and even more than that, God, if I could have the opportunity to invite them into a relationship with Jesus, would you give me that opportunity? And I'll tell you what, if I didn't take the opportunity one day, guess what? I prayed, God, then, then make up for that day. Yeah. Every day I've prayed that, guess what's happened. Yeah. It's happened. And honestly, I probably missed opportunities I didn't even realize it. See, it, next week is Easter, and so that is an easy way to just invite someone to hear about Jesus so that they can know and hear the good news of whether or not they're going to be able to know heaven as their home. We have said this throughout our series, "Heaven, I want to go there, and I want to take as many people as I can with me. My friends, we talked earlier about cultivating goodness, that desire to take as many people as you can with you, that's a good desire. That's a good desire. You were made to cultivate that desire. You were saved to cultivate that desire. Someone said it this way. As we close out our time, these, right now, meaning these days, they seem to be delicate days for evangelism, for sharing Jesus. But I think the wind is shifting. I think that the crisis of hope, really the lack of hope, is that sweeping the earth is opening a door for us to speak to people of all cultures about our faith. In Jesus, we know who's coming to restore all things. Especially the stunning news that we have about the restoration of all things. So are you ready for heaven? Are you watching for Jesus to come? Are you expecting him at any moment? Is that affecting how you're living? And is it affecting how you're sharing? We're going we're gonna to ask Sandy to come up and play some music. And as she does, I'm going to ask our decision team to come. And I just want to invite you just to bow your head right now. Close your eyes. And just take a moment. The Lord's spoken tonight. If there's anything we've heard tonight, we have heard that, that Jesus could literally come any moment. That heaven might be just a breath away for us man that should affect the way we live today so if you're a Christian here and you know for sure you're going to heaven I think it's the perfect time now to ask ask the Lord am I getting ready And I think the Lord if I could speak on it in the sense I think he would ask if, if you would say no I think he would say so my son my daughter will you Maybe that looks like for you this week. Maybe this week you just start acknowledging, Jesus, you could come today. Jesus, help me to start living with an expectation that you could come even today. God, teach me how that could change the way I see my life. If you'll do that, you could even start praying something along these lines. God, maybe... Maybe I need to start changing some of the things I'm doing. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe there's something that has just been something that you have either not been willing to change or unable to change. Maybe, Maybe Jesus wants to help that start to change, even this week. Even tonight, would you ask him to start growing in you desires for holiness to really live as you were made to live. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what? I really know that if all of this is going on in my life, I know I really need, I really need to be sharing. I know I'm going to heaven and I need to be inviting other people to come with me. So maybe you need to take some Easter invite cards this week. Maybe that's what the Lord's encouraging you to do. Maybe you need to think here right now and say, who do I know that I know does not know the Lord? You know some people, come on, you know you do. Who are they? Maybe you need to just say, God, help me to remember that as we close out this time and write that person's name down so I can pray for them. Because maybe you could also ask this question, do I know if they've actually really heard the good news? Do I know if they've actually really heard how to know they can go to heaven? And if you're not sure, you should be the one to make sure they are, that they have heard how to know to let them decide whether or not they want to go. And if you need help with that, we're here for you. That's what our decision team is for. We will pray with you after our service. I want to encourage you on that. Maybe you're here tonight, and you're saying, you know what? I don't know, maybe it was last week I, I was here, but I didn't make that decision. I wasn't sure about it, but I've been thinking about it this week. Maybe maybe you're here, and you're going, I don't know if I've, given, if I've ever given my life to Jesus. I don't know if heaven's my, my home. Well, you can, you can know for sure right now. If you're ready, you could say something like this from your heart. God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Jesus, would you come into my life now, forgive me for my sins, and give me a relationship with God. Make heaven my home. You could pray that now. And if you do, you can know that God will answer that prayer and make you his child and give heaven to you, to give you that as your home. Father, thank you. Thank you for purpose. Thank you for that purpose that heaven gives us, that we have a home and that we have an incredible, uh, an incredible. Um, eternity of knowing you living with you in a world that was like it was meant to be you are going to restore everything you are going to restore us and our hearts are yearning for that moment thank you that you not only give that to us and you are so good to do that but you also give us purpose for while we're here that you're on a mission to rescue as many people as possible to give that gift to as many people as possible, and you're inviting us to be a part of that. So God, would you stir in our hearts and help us to believe that today matters, that today is not a waste, and that we are not a waste, but that we are a part of what you are doing, and it is good, and it is to rescue people, and we want to be a part of that. So we say thank you, God, and we love you, and we pray in your Son, Jesus' name, amen.